Thank you for listening to the Streams Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community that strives to know Jesus and make Him known. If you like our podcast, subscribe and leave us a great rating on Apple Podcasts. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone. I hope you are having a great summer as we have had. We have, uh, or I spent three weeks in Oregon. Sherry spent one. And uh, Oregon's nice. If you've spent any time there, um, trees everywhere. If you've driven on freeways in Portland, it's like driving through a forest. And uh, cool. Um, uh, we were actually there uh, for not the best reason. It was my uh, sister's husband passed away about three months ago, and then we were having a memorial service. But it was a good time for family uh, to get together. And then my brother and I and my sister, just the three of us, spent some time. About I was there for about a week and a half, and that's very unique. We have never, just the three of us, gotten together uh, that I can ever remember <laughs> since we were at home as kids. And so it was a really, really good time. And I hope that your summer is going well also. Um, I've got to just explain to you, I'm doing some limping, and a lot of you have been asking me, what's that about? Um, it's arthritis, and I, it's been, I've been dealing with this for most of the last year, but it's kind of gotten bad recently, and uh, the doctors have been treating this with cortisone shots, and the last one was not very effective, and so I've been told they don't want to do that again. So my next step on treatment is hip replacement. And so they're just letting me decide when I want to do that. And I found out I'm off from work four to six weeks, which is much longer than I was expecting on that. And my work is at a place where I kind of am critical, and so I don't know how I'm going to work that out. I was thinking at first, let's do it in June, but uh, I've really been dealing with pain, and I don't think I can get through till June. Uh, my doctor told me, up your uh, pain medication. And uh, I'm doing that, but it just doesn't seem to be helping. So I'm all medicated this morning, so I should, I should be fine. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think the Lord has something to say to us today, so let's just uh, open the Word of God. God is a God of covenant, and that's what we've been talking about for the last several weeks. And that just means He has, has set a relationship with us where He has promises that are sure, uh, his, his love, his, his faithfulness to us, his forgiveness of our sins, all that is part of his covenant relationship to us. And it's always there. Um, we're going to look today at the story of David and Absalom. For a few weeks, we've been kind of in this mini-series on David, um, and we've looked at different aspects of how God has been faithful to his covenant, um, even though uh, unusual and difficult and, and bad, really evil circumstances were in David's life. So um, today... God is the covenant God, and he establishes a covenant relationship with you and me. That's how he deals with us, and that is how he dealt with David. By that, we mean a, a, a con, almost a contractual kind of arrangement, relationship between us and God, an agreement where he makes certain promises to us and says, I will do this. It's promises of love, promises of faithfulness. Uh, promises of forgiveness, promises to make us his sons and to love us forever, those promises. And then what he asks from us is simply our faith. Um, we have learned in the last few weeks that he is faithful to those covenant promises even when our lives are not consistent in our faith. He still is there with his covenant promises. We can count on them. They're very sure. 
So uh, David, part of David's life, he was treated very unfairly. A lot of that was Saul and, and things that were very unjust, but yet God's right there with his faithfulness. It, it didn't affect God's faithfulness to David at all. And then last week, we had the story of David and Bathsheba, where uh, David was unfaithful to God, and through uh, everything awry, and sinned greatly, uh, double sin, in fact, but yet God's faithfulness is still there, and we saw how he works right through that kind of a situation where we're unfaithful, and uh, still he's covenant God. The covenant God part does not change. So we're going to look at one more bump in the road of our lives today, and that's when our children make wrong choices. Please don't check out if you don't have children, <laughs> okay, because um, you may have children, and you might want to apply what we're going to talk to about other relationships. What happens when our relationships are wrong, our choices that people make, that affect us, that greatly affect and alter our lives. Sometimes they're very heartbreaking choices that people make, but particularly with our children. So we're looking specifically when our children fail in their choices. And if you have young children, maybe you're experiencing this already, but if you haven't, you will. Uh, mostly, you know, it's when they make children or, or choices that are wrong as adults. But uh, you're, you're headed there, <laughs> no matter where your kids are. Uh, you're headed to where they're going to make some wrong choices. And so well, we don't hear what God has to say about that. Uh, one of the most basic joys of life is children. It really is. So, um, and again, I don't want to say, this is a little bit of a disclaimer, don't want to say you must have children to have joy in life, because um, many, of, many of you don't have children. Many of you w perhaps will not have children. Uh, our basic joy is in the Lord. It always, it always is. And if we put that on our children, we're going we're gonna to fail. If, if we have a high expectation that our children are always going to bring us joy because they're not always going to do that. Uh, but our children are meant to be a joy. That's why uh, God gave them to us. So uh, Psalm 127, verses 3 through 5. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Be blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. I can still remember to this day the birth of my first child. It's been 40 plus years, but uh, I remember going home that day, and those of you who have had children know this feeling. It's, uh, it's just an exhilaration. Man, I'm a dad. <laughs> this, it feels different. There's something different about it. And there's just, uh, a, 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 the day before I wouldn't have expected it, but all of a sudden, now I'm a dad, and there was such joy in that. But what about when the very joy of our life creates a lot of heartache and pain for us because of wrong choices? Uh, I have a daughter that almost made a wrong choice. After college, she was working in the restaurant industry, and... Uh, Perhaps you know the restaurant industry can be a pretty um, difficult atmosphere morally, um, as probably other industries are that, like that also. But in the restaurant industry, they're, they're all young, and a lot of them are unmarried, and when they get together socially, wrong things happen, okay? So she met a young man. Um, he was a bartender at the restaurant, and in uh, my way of thinking, man, that should have been red flag right there. Bartender at the restaurant, okay, but... We went with that. He had, a, he had a Christian background, and she did want to, to a Christian in her life. And he started to talk the right talk and say the right things. But 
as a family, we never could sense, man, he's really there. His commitment is to Christ, and uh, she wanted to be, and I think he tried to talk it. He started going to church with her and saying the right things, but it just never quite fit. But they started talking marriage, and we're really concerned as a family. And he was trying to talk her into it, and her heart was into the relationship. You know, many of you as parents have been down this road before. Uh, he would say things like, um, two of our sons-in-law's first names start with a K. Well, his name was Kyle. So he said, aha, it's destiny. <laughs> would say things like that to her. It's, it must, must be, you know, K, 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 K. But, <laughs> and I didn't put that together until just now. Three, three Ks. He didn't say it quite like that. But she could never pull the plug on the relationship. It was a wrong choice. As a family, we knew it, and she kind of sensed it, but she couldn't pull the plug. We prayed a lot. Finally, he pulled the plug. He just got tired of, uh, I, I think he felt pressure and, uh, and stress, and uh, he said, I, I'm not going to be able to live with this for the rest of my life. So God was very gracious to us, but it doesn't, the outcomes are not always good when our kids make those wrong choices. Uh, God blessed us in that situation. He was faithful to us, but it, it could have so easily gone a different direction. So what happens to God's covenant love and his promises to us when our children make wrong decisions? And we're going to see this in the life of David. This is a big issue that he uh, faced. So the question is, is God still faithful to his covenant promises even when our children are making those wrong choices. Or again, if you don't have children, apply it to other people's choices who have an effect upon you. Okay, maybe it's parents, et cetera, et cetera. So let's look first. Um, I'm going to start with the covenant relationship that David did have with uh, God. And I'm, I'm just going to briefly go over the list of covenant promises there in 2 Samuel 7. The covenant promises to David are perhaps more extensive than with any other uh, individual in the Old Testament. Um, I have listed, I think there's 11 of them here, like I will make your, you a great name, I will plant you in a place to dwell, I will give you rest from your enemies, I will make you a house, I will raise up your offspring, I will establish his kingdom, he will build a house for my name, I will be a father to him, he will be a son to me, my love will not depart from him, your house and kingdom will be sure forever, your throne will be sure Forever. So the promises had an application to his immediate son, which was Solomon, but then they extended way into the future to the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And through the Messiah, we are in recipients of those covenant promises today. So we know that the covenant stood firm because uh, his, his initial son, his first son, Solomon, was greatly blessed and uh, had, had everything as a king that you could possibly want. But then the promises have come through as well through to the eventual son who was going to establish David's throne forever. But sinful choices in the family begin to show themselves. And so we're going to look at chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. Now Absalom, David's son, had a beautiful sister whose name was Tamar. And after a time, Amnon, David's son, loved her, and Amnon was so tormented that he made himself ill because of his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin, and it seemed impossible to Amnon to do anything to her. So we have three children 
that, of David's that are introduced in these two verses. There's two sons. The oldest is Amnon and then Absalom. They all are sons and daughters of David, but Absalom and Tamar are, have the same mother. So they're full blood brother and sister. Amnon had a different mother. And we're, still, we're first going to look at the choice that Amnon made, which was a very sinful choice. Boy, this reads almost like a current Netflix series, doesn't it? All the drama and the, uh, the evil that's going on. Um, you couldn't make this stuff up. And th this is real stuff that haven't happened. So it says that Amnon loved his sister. And really, uh, you, can, you can tell from this and what happened afterwards that it was more like lust. It was not really in any way a, a real love. And that's where things begin to go awry. And with the very devious help of a friend, they made an arrangement for David to be alone with, Ta or, sorry, Absalom to be alone with Tamar. And he took the opportunity to have his way with her. In other words, he raped her. And then we um, see afterwards, as so often happens in this kind of a situation, he never loved her, really, and he turned completely against her. So verses 15 to 17, then Amnon hated her with a very great hatred so that the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love with which he loved her. And Amnon said to her, get up, go. But she said to him, no, my brother, for this wrong in sending me away is greater than that the other that you did to me. But he would not listen to her. He called the young man who served him and said, put this woman out of my presence and bolt the door after her. So she's hoping and wanting him to marry her. That would have been the appropriate thing to do. That would have been the honorable thing to do. And he absolutely will have nothing to do with her. So that's second part, part B, of the wrong that he did to her, casting her out, which was to kind of isolate her for the rest of her life in a very, very uh, humiliating kind of situation that she was going to have to live in. So uh, re follow with me, verse 18. Now she was wearing a long robe with sleeves, for thus were the virgin daughters of the king dressed. So his servant put her out and bolted the door after her. Um, and Tamar put ashes on her head and tore the long robe that she wore. And she laid her hand on her head and went away crying aloud as she went. And her brother Absalom said to her, Has Amnon, your brother, been with you? Now hold my peace, my sister, he is your brother. Do not take this to heart. So Tamar lived a desolate woman in her brother Absalom's house. It says in the last part there, she was a desolate woman. And desolate's a, a, a term, a very strong term, is describing her emotional state. Um, it's as if when one sees or experiences something so horrible that they are just horrified. Or another word would be appalled, significant emotional impact. And even the word devastated would apply here. So she, we can think of this as living from that time on in a very devastated emotional state. Doesn't your heart just break for the young woman and what was done to her in a very, very harsh way without repentance by the brother? So we see in verse 21 and 22 reactions, first of all, by David. When King David heard of these things, he was very angry. But Absalom spoke to Amnon, neither good nor bad, for Absalom hated Amnon because he had violated his sister 
Tamar. Uh, anger on David's part, but Absalom begins at this point. He, he doesn't react because he's already beginning, beginning to plan how he's going to get revenge on the situation. Children's choices uh, can be so absolutely dumbfounding to us as parents. And those of you who perhaps have adult children know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, we've, in our uh, family, our extended family, um, we each, uh, my wife and I each have two siblings. And our extended family and children of our siblings have really made some bad choices, choices against God. Uh, choice, very questionable choices for life partner. Um, very wrong sexual choices. Choice against God towards atheism. And even uh, universalism in the sense of, well, there's truth in all religions and no one is superior to another. So very, very wrong choices. And the question is, how could that happen? In, in our generation, that would be my wife and I and our siblings, there was faith, we were in church, very strong Christian families, all of them. Not, not one of my siblings were, were any different than that. So how could that happen? Uh, I think the one thing that we have come to the conclusion of is that uh, we, it is wrong and uh, it's inaccurate and unfair to put blame on parents, usually. In most situations, you just can't, there isn't an obvious reason why these decisions have been made. It's just kids make their own choices, and we can do as much as we can to prepare them to make right choices, yet they're going to make those wrong choices. And parents who have children at home, um, it's a scary time when you set your kids free, and they're out there making their own choices, and they're going to do that. And sometimes those choices are going to be wrong, um, unfortunately. And so we're going to look at, well, what happens then when our lives are totally disrupted by those choices that uh, our kids have made. In David's case, the situation goes from bad to worse. So we now look at his son Absalom, who made a tremendously wrong choice that is going to lead to complete estrangement between father and son. So his, his hatred, which was kind of quiet, went for a two full years. I believe during those two full years he's planning what he is going to do. And then he carried out his act of re revenge. He, he plotted to be alone or a situation where he could be where his brother Amnon was and Amnon wouldn't suspect and he rose up and just killed him, outright killed him. And we see uh, two different reactions. Uh, it gets to David's, David hears about it and he just weeps. He's, he's extremely sorrowful and Absalom leaves the country doesn't wait around to ask forgiveness or do anything. He's just gone. Okay, so we fled the country. He's three years. No contact between father and son. He's gone for three years of estrangement. Um, we have a little bit of a similar situation. Some friends of ours who, uh, their parents, and they have an adult son, daughter-in-law. And their, um, their son and daughter-in-law had a business arrangement with a friend of the family, okay? And they had a huge dispute between the son and daughter-in-law and the friend of the family. And the, our friends, the parents, are right in the middle. And they tried to stay out of it. 
but it came to the place where they had to, they were forced into siding one way or the other, and as they saw it, the, the, their friend, the friend of the family was more on the right, they felt. And when they made that decision, the, the son and daughter-in-law completely turned away from them. I mean, I mean, completely shut them out of their life, complete estrangement. And that went on for a significant long time, no contact, um, better part, I believe, of 10 years. Little things here and there, a birthday card here and there, but other than that, nothing. Little by little, by the way, the situation has gotten better and there's doors that are beginning, beginning to open, but how sad it is when we can't get past that step of forgiveness, whether it's parent or child, we've, we've probably been on one end or the other of that. And uh, forgiveness is a hard thing to do, but it's the thing that can be the most destructive sometimes in our lives, in our relationships. There's a reason why we're, we're admonished so strongly in the Gospels, forgive, not just, not just one time, not just seven times, but 70 times seven. There's a reason for that, because it's, it's forgi forgiveness or lack of it that is so destructive in our relationships. But that's where David was. That's where his son Absalom is, and they are for three years estranged from one another. Now, David contributed to the problem. It wasn't just the son who was at fault here, but we'll see um, in verse 39, it says, The spirit of the king longed to go out to Absalom because he was comforted about Amnon since he was dead, but he did nothing. His spirit wanted to do something. After three years, he's over the death of his other son, but he does nothing. He still can't get back to that place of accepting his son fully back and forgiving uh, by going and getting the son. Okay, he does nothing. And then finally, through the um, intervention of kind of a senior chief of staff named Joab, David calls for Absalom. This is after the three years for him to return. This is in chapter 14, verse 24. And the king said, let him dwell apart in his own house. He is not to come into my presence. So Absalom lived apart in his own house and did not come into the king's presence. He brought him back, but he's still not willing to forgive. And so he lives back in the country in Jerusalem, but there's no restoration. No forgiveness, no restoration, and it goes on for two years. So now if you're counting, that's a total of five years since the offense happened. Three years, uh, Absalom was in the foreign country. He comes back in two years. He has no contact with David. Nothing's going on. Five years, five years, complete estrangement between father and son. Finally, the chief of staff, Joab, gets involved again and says, you need to do something about this. He's a wise counselor. And so David does this. He officially calls Absalom to him. And this is the description. It's in chapter 14, verse 33. Then Joab went to the king and told him, and he summoned Absalom. So he came to the king and bowed himself on his face to the ground before the king. And the king kissed Absalom. But was it true reconciliation? Well, you be the judge. In the very next chapter, we have a description of Absalom planning a coup in the kingdom. And nothing else is happening in between. I don't think there was any real reconciliation at all. They went through the motions. 
David even kissed him, but went through the motions. You know when something's genuine and when it is not. And so that leads us into the final chapter of the story where the father-son breach ends very tragically. And the first several verses of uh, chapter 15 is the planning by Absalom to revolt. It's a, it's a planned coup, and he carries it out. And David is forced to retreat from Jerusalem, and then uh, Absalom enters into Jerusalem. He has uh, uh, an army with him. He's gotten soldiers who have become loyal to him, and they set Absalom up as king in Jerusalem, and, and David has been forced to flee. And then, uh, and you'll see this in chapters 17 and 18, we're not gonna turn there, but there's basically a war as the two sides are not just estranged now, but actually at war with one another. And then it comes down to a climatic point where Absalom is killed in battle. That's at the end of chapter 18. And so what is significant here is that chapter 18, verse 33, and the king was deeply moved and went up to the chamber, this is after he heard of the death of his son, went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, he said, Oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, would I had died instead of you. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. And you just feel his heartache. He loved his son. There's no question about that. But he wasn't willing to do anything about it until it basically was too late. And then it, everything just is broken. He can't fix it at that time. So during all this time, five years, he just couldn't let go of what his son had done. Couldn't forgive till it was too late. And so we want to now, that, and that's basically how that story winds up, but we want to finish, okay, well, how does that affect God's relationship with David? And his covenant promises, where's, where's that? What's happening with that? And so we really see the answer in chapter 23. We're going to look at the first five verses in chapter 23. This is uh, David's last words. Um, and it really gives us the answer. So I'm reading from verse 1. Now these are the, word, the last words of David, the oracle of David, the son of Jesse. The oracle of the man who was raised on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, the sweet psalmist of Israel. And this is what he says, the spirit of the Lord speaks by me, his word is on my tongue, the God of Israel has spoken, the rock of Israel has said to me. The spirit of God has been upon David and he recognized that this is right on through all these significant mishaps and bumps in the road and tragedies and, and sorrows, God's, God's hand is still on him. And he says, he speaks both to me and speaks through me. That's his assessment of his, his, his whole life, his reign. God's been with me. He has never left me. He's been right there through it all. Verse, uh, the next uh, verse, when this, I'm still in verse 3. When one rules justly over men, ruling in the fear of God, he dawns on them like the morning light, like the sun shining forth on a cloudless morning, like rain that makes grass to sprout from the earth. For does not my house stand so with God? David is looking back on his life and upon his reign, and he's saying, man, you've been good to me. God has blessed me. He has, he has had his favor upon me. Even though 
the situation with Bathsheba. And even though the situation with Amnon and Absalom and the wrong choices and his own wrong reaction to them, even yet, God's blessed him. It's almost like the, the song, The Goodness of God. You know that, that song, The Goodness of God? Uh, David looks back and says, you have blessed me. You've been with me. You've been there the whole time. And then 5b, he brings it back to the covenant. For he has made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and secure. That's what was the foundational thing. And that never changed. It didn't. It was there. And so David knew that. Your covenant has been secure. It's, it has been the foundation of my life this whole time. And you have truly loved me, and you have not forgotten me, and you have carried me, and your covenant promises are sure, and they're just not going to change. So it was the son's choices, and David's response in the, in the sense of lack of forgiveness that brought just a huge amount of brokenness into his children's lives, his family's lives, and into his own life, I believe, and that led, led to a tr very tragic conclusion. Um, there's failure and fault by both parties here. And summarizing, both children and father, yet God's faithful to David. God's faithfulness is there. And his son Solomon was greatly blessed by God. Greatest king in Israel, Solomon, built a huge temple. and The, the territory of Israel expanded greater than any other king at any other time in Israel. Uh, now Solomon made some of his own wrong choices later, but he had, <laughs> he had blessing poured out upon him from God. And then the promises to David, as we've pointed out, extend into the future to Jesus the Messiah. And we are in a place of being recipients of those promises. You realize that we have a link with this <laughs> ourselves? His promises to David, fulfilled in the Messiah, apply to us, come to us, those great promises a blessing. So I just want to tell you today, those of you who have struggled with children who have made wrong choices, um, in all likelihood, it's nothing you did. Don't blame yourself. Kids make wrong choices. They, they do. And, and sometimes there's just no explanation. Can't fi figure it out. They're responsible for their own choices. You are not. But God's still going to be faithful, both to them as well as to you. So your life may feel like it's been totally disrupted and thrown out of kilter, but the covenant relationship that God has with you is still there. It doesn't change. Lord, thank you for uh, your word today. And I just pray that those of us who are parents and, and even with other relationships that we have where wrong choices have affected our lives, that uh, you would remind us that you're still there and that you work through those wrong choices. They don't interrupt your plan, your purposes for us, Lord. They don't uh, change a thing. You still are faithful. Your love and your forgiveness and uh, your faithfulness to us is there. So we just remember that today, Lord, and I pray that you would speak that deeply to uh, those that are here today who, who are just struggling with where their kids are at. Uh, we continue to pray for those kids, Lord, and you can bring good things out of heartache and sorrow, and we believe that and we trust in that today, and I pray that you would do that, Lord, where parents today are struggling with choices that their kids have made. And we're thankful, Lord, when our kids do make those right choices. We, uh, we can't take a great credit in either case because it's you that does that. And so we do give our Lord, where they're struggling, we pray for them today. 
Lord, we pray that you would get a hold of wayward hearts and draw those kids, Lord, back to you, Lord. Draw them back to the parent. I pray that broken parent-child relationships, Lord, would be, would be healed and reconciled today, that you would speak to parents, Lord, on what their role needs to be in making that happen today, Lord. I pray that you would just speak your word and your truth into those circumstances and situations. We pray it in your name. Amen.